0: hello and welcome to the welsh rugby podcast before we begin just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this we really do appreciate your support we record the podcast every monday and if you do enjoy it make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode why not drop us a review while you're there
1: Welcome to the Gainline Wales Online's live rugby Facebook show. I'm delighted to be joined by our rugby writers Simon Thomas and Mark Waters today to discuss Wales's team to face France on Saturday. It's the first time Wayne Pivac has named a side in seven months, of course, since the uh, the Scotland game was called off at such
0: short notice. Simon, what have you made of the side? Well, it's first to say, great to see Mark. I haven't seen him for months. <laughs> you know, we've all been on our, our lockdown, uh, so uh, great to see him smiling away from my stake there. I've hardly been out the house since March, but i got my vinyl here behind me to keep me going, so we're all happy. As, and it's just great to have w- Wales playing rugby again, isn't it? First time since the England game, wasn't it? In Twickenham, mm. March, I think the 7th or something like that. So you're talking seven months. It's been a long, long while. Um, It's just... You know, nice to actually see Wales having a really strong squad to pick from as well. You know, there's a, you could have put another side out. I suppose the the, um, the comparison um, and the team to look at to see what's changed is the team that Wales originally picked to play against Scotland in March. The game that was postponed because of the coronavirus outbreak, at the start of it all. Um, and there are seven changes. Um, from the side that Wayne Pivak picked then. A few of those are injury related, obviously Jonathan Davis, great to see him back from his injury. Same with Josh Adams um, and then a few others are kind of form related. Uh, Reese Carey seems to have um, got in very much on his his performances in training. There's um, obviously the injury issue with Ken Owens, very sadly out for about four months now. So Ryan Elias gets a big shout there, stepping into some big shoes. And form as well See Samson Lee come in at, at tight age. Great to see him reinvigorate Rated. You know, it's more than a year since he last played for Wales. And, and if you look through the other one, I guess we'll talk about in a bit more detail in a moment, is the back row, which is really the news department today, Mark, isn't it? That's where we've heard the news today is the back row.
2: Yeah, it is. It's, um, yeah, you know, Ross is is carrying a bump. And so uh, Aaron Wainwright comes in. And uh, saying that, Aaron Wainwright, I think he's earned his place. I think he's been really good since rugby returned. And um he went off the boil a little bit uh, after the World Cup he had that kind of second season syndrome but uh, he's been good on every occasion that I've seen him this year he's, he's been he's been excellent and so uh yeah you know that, that's really good news for him but uh, it is a big chance for Rhys Carey it's a, a selection that not many people would have uh, foreseen uh but evidently, like Warren Gatland, Pivak sort of places a big emphasis on performances in training. Um, yeah, but was, I, think well, he's, I think, too, I think he's started to look ahead to the future a, a yeah, little bit right. more. And he's absolutely got to do that because uh, I think he, he, he came up with three new caps uh, in the early rounds of the Six Nations. Um, and Carey, I think, OK, he's not a new cap, But if they can get him working as the scrummaging loose head prop, he's going to be a sort of Wales frontline player for years, I think. Yeah, well, Matt,
0: Matt and I sat in and Wayne Pivak's um, Zoom press conference today, and Matt actually asked about the Lucet position, uh, in particular the situation of Wynne-Jones, who, who was due to start in um, against Scotland in March, was the number one choice really through the World Cup, so I think a lot of people, I think you were doing a team, Mark, and we were talking about it, weren't we? Thinking that it may well be Wynne-Jones to start, but um, a couple of things we learned there, Wynne-Jones has had a bit of a tight hamstring, so it might have had a little bit of impact, but, but you did get the impression that regardless of that, even despite that, Rhys Carey was the man who was going to start. He said he, um, Wayne Pavak said he's really impressed in training, and also that Wynne Jones has, um, has had a few work ons they've given him, you know, on the back of his of his recent performances. So, so, so Carey at the moment in a very competitive position, which also, of course, has Nicky Smith and now Rob Evans coming back. Young Carey is the man in position. It's a big, big opportunity for him.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I looked at the. Cardiff Blues uh, selections this year, and uh, sorry, this season, and Corey Donachowski has been starting at uh, at lucid with Carrie coming off the bench for the last twenty minutes. So you know, I I, I don't am not privy to the uh, the the sort of workings of the Cardiff Blues selectors, um, but clearly he's a player with a lot of potential and. You've Got to go back. Wales have got to start putting into gear their long term preparations, and that's why the likes of Ree and and Carrie, you know, are in the picture. I think
1: just touch on uh Then we've had a, a comment from Gary Stevens who, who asks, has, has experience got in ahead of form, particularly in the back line? I, I don't think you need to be Poirot to figure out who he's talking about there. Um, Louis Ree a lot of people wanted him to start. Um, George North, as it is, has got the nod. Um, Josh Adams was probably likely to play all along. Although, you know, there, there could have been people suggesting that, including myself, that this is a you no, know, not a very high-pressure game. There's not going to be a crowd there. Um, you no, know, could Louis Samit have started this game?
0: It's an interesting one with Lewis because um, there's a couple of sides to it, really. But there's the fact that he's not starting, but also the fact that he's involved. Because if you remember rightly, he was in the Six Nations and didn't get any game time, wasn't in the 23 at all. So, in that sense, it's a step forward, really. You know, he's now part of it. And Wayne has made it clear that he will get game time against France in Paris. Um, so, I. You know, this this is a certainly a step on for him. It was interesting yesterday here to hear Neil Jenkins earlier in the week talking about Louis Summit and what they've been looking for from him. And. It was clear that there was a big emphasis there on the all-round game, not just the try scoring, which is, you know, everyone knows about that, is what we've seen, I think, 15 tries in his first 18 games for Gloucester, you know, remarkable. But what they're keen to see and have been looking for in training is the other side of his game, his work in the backfield, his work under the high ball, is chasing, is obviously a big part of what Neil Jenkins looks at, you know, in terms of the dealing with the kick game. Um, they've been very impressed with that. They recognise he's a young man lot to Um Now, should he have started? That's the other side of the coin. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I get the impression very much from what Pivak said today that this is essentially – the team that's going to play against Scotland. Wales want to win that last Six Nations game. They want to come out with the Six Nations with just the one victory. That would be a poor first season for Pivac. It's a big game for them. They want this as a dry run for that game. And I guess in terms of the, the you know the full-strength side, North at the moment is still the man he sees as being in his back three. And there's the fact that George hasn't played since August the 23rd. When he was sent off uh, for a tip tackle against the Dragons uh, for taking Ashton Hewitt up in the air, rather, um, and I guess there was a feeling that if he's the number one, they want to get him as you know a good hours rugby under his belt, maybe more, maybe even slotting into the centre on occasions. So I think those are all the different aspects when it comes to the reece summit North situation.
1: Mark, I just want to jump in before we come to you. There's a, a comment here from John Danter saying it would be too much to start Louis rees in in this environment, and if he has a bad performance, it could scar him uh, and ultimately sort of stunt his uh, his progression. Um, he wants to see Louis Rees-Magnus eased in, as Wayne Pivak is seemingly doing. Uh, what do you make of the way that
2: Wales have been handling him? No, I think that's a great comment, um, and I think Simon's absolutely spot on. At the e- at the end of the day the last thing you want to do really is is sort of uh, jeopardise a young player. He's only 19 years of age, jeopardise his confidence. And I think Wales are bringing him through at the right pace. Pivak would have had a look at him in training. Uh, it was deemed in the Six Nations, the early rounds of the Six Nations, he wasn't quite ready. And evidently they've seen progress since. And, I do sense, to be honest, a certain negativity about George North, not not coming from you boys, but generally I think this guy is a really, really, really good wing, a, a world-class wing. Okay, he can blow hot and cold, but when he's on his game, he is a terrific player. And, um, yeah, you know, we, we've seen him sort of struggle to get into every game. But George North had his best. is a really good player. And um, so I think the selection is, is right. I think that uh, the Wales-Scotland game um, the week after is worth half a million pounds, I think, to Wales, I think in terms of prize money to the winner anyway. So I think it is quite important. I think Simon's right when he says that um, uh, they would have wanted to field their, pretty much their strongest side this week as a warm-up for the Six Nations match. And I think that Zamet is only 19. He's got a, a long, long career stretching ahead of him. So let's sort of take it calmly and quietly now, as Wales are doing, and uh, yeah, bring him through at the right pace. I think it's a good call.
0: I think the other thing, Mark, if you look at the George North situation, I mean, George probably hasn't played, you know, over the last three or four years. at In the way that he has in the the first four or five of his career, you know, he he did set a very high benchmark. But has his performances, you know, merited the amount of criticism he has been getting from some quarters of the last year or so? I'm not sure, really. It just seems to me that these things tend to go in cycles, and, and in every cycle, there's always one player who seems to cop it, you know, when things aren't going that well. You had Priestland, you had Cuthbert. Joran's coming for a while. At the moment, North seems to be the man that uh, is most likely to be receiving the ire if anything goes wrong. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who has had a pretty impressive career for Wales. And But let's see, you know, uh, let's see how he goes. Um, you watched the game, didn't you, Mark, where he got Sinbin? And, you, you know, he scored a try early on and that looked sharp enough. Um, we don't know how he would have been in the last month, but for the four-week ban. But I think, you know, it does show, as you say, that, you know, going into the start of the campaign... Adams and North and Halfpenny—that's the starting back three that you're going to have. Certainly, until perhaps Liam Williams comes in, and, asks, and that presents another question, then doesn't he? When he's got his a bit more rugby under his belt,
2: it does. So I, I'll go back and rewind, sort of seven-month England game, and, and North was was. Pretty much close to being Wales' his best player that day. He was, uh, he, oh, if you take Tip Break out of the equation, perhaps North had a really, <laughs> really good, really, really good uh, performance. And he was just looking for work. And uh, so, look, he, he, is, he is a really good player. And I just asked myself, what if Pivak had left, uh, France would have been happy if Wayne Pivak had left North out. I'm pretty much sure of that. He's got a good record in Paris, is not he? He has got a very good yeah, record yeah, in yeah, Paris. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. and as uh, I say, it's it's just okay. He is a he is a touching consistent, but this guy, ninety eight caps uh, for Wales and the Lions. Um, uh, and he, he's a good player. He's, he's, a, he's a try scorer. He works hard. At the Ospreys, they reckon he's a much improved player as well. So yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him play, and I'm sure Zamet will get his chance in, yeah, in the last and
0: 15 minutes. And I'm just really excited to see I'm seeing Lewis you know, Lewis play, you know, because I I saw him first play. When he was about 11 year old for for Landaff and Landaff Fields, and basically he's one of, What you know, what me Mark and you watching a, a kids' game at that level, and there's one kid who kind of basically wins the game on his own quite often and he was like that. He, he just scorched the earth. And, Can you imagine
2: uh, how North would have been at that age as yeah, well? Exactly.
0: Like I mean, there's, there's various ones I've seen. I, I've seen Seb Davis as a kid, Owen Lane, and they just stand out and you hope at that stage or you really hope he kicks on and fulfils that potential and Reece Summit has done it. You know, he's he comes from a lovely family. He's got um, his brother still plays for Landaf. His uncle Paul Pablo Reese, you'd remember, played for Cardiff and Pontypool in the eighties. Rugby runs in the blood, and it, it's going to be a big, big day for him and his family in, in, this weekend. Oh, um,
1: and, and on a similar theme, then, as I've touched on before, you know the, the, this game won't affect the World Cup seedings for the draw in December. Uh, it's not in a competition. There will be no fans in the stadium. There's a curfew in Paris. <laughs> will we ever see another test match where the result really doesn't have a tangible impact on anything so was this not a good opportunity for Pivac to maybe experiment a little bit more with his side and and start bringing in some of the other younger players I know Callum Sheedy is a name thrown about a lot but he only arrived in yes. camp yesterday and had his first training session this morning so he was never an option um, but was there perhaps a chance to get someone like Kieran Hardy involved
2: well, you know, I, I think Pivak has got to be careful, hasn't he? Because if he, if, if he put sort of uh, six or seven or eight uh, youngsters into the side and and they, they'd have uh, come badly and stuck, that could have sort of jeopardised confidence as uh, uh earlier contributor, John, I think it was, suggested. So I think it's about getting the balance right. It is a test match. Uh, OK, it's a warm-up match. But it's a test match for an important, well, some may say it's not important, but it's a six-nation match to come the week after. And Wills have got to be on the ball. They've lost their last three games and they need to start winning. Uh, so this is an opportunity, really, a priceless opportunity for Wayne Pivak to get his squad, move them, excuse me, move them up the gears and um, get them ready for the Scotland match and the, and the rest of the autumn campaign. There will be other opportunities during the Autumn Nations Cup uh, to introduce a couple of players. But always the key is, whether it's at club level or test level, I guess the key is to make these introductions and changes gradually rather than sort of, uh, I don't know, throwing throwing nine or ten in at once.
1: Uh, Bob Gower in the comments certainly agrees as well, saying that the first team need to run out before the Scotland game and we've got a, a six-game autumn window for for players to, to get their chances. So, Bob, obviously agreeing with you there, Mark. Uh, moving on to the other end of the spectrum then, Wales captain Alan Wynne-Jones will play his 148th international game this weekend, equaling a record set by Richie McCaw, the all-black great, uh, for most international appearances. Uh, so, I, if if you know anything about Alan Wynn, it's going to be something he's not going to want to discuss at all in his captain's run press conference tomorrow. Um, but let's do the job for him. What does this say about the man? Obviously, somebody we've talked about a lot, but what does this say about him? Fantastic achievement.
0: Yeah, it is a huge, it's a proud day for him, proud day for his family as well, and for everybody who's contributed to his career. And it was funny, Wayne Pivak today said, like, oh, I better not say too much about it, he'd hate if I talk about that. He, he's 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 not one to sort of want to talk about his achievements, Alan Wynn, you know, he's he's a modest guy and he kind of, he doesn't, he isn't one who's kind of honed in on records, but, you know, but I mean, he's, he is reaching an incredible landmark. You know, I remember the days, Mark will remember, you know, when the idea of having 50 caps for Wales, that was, you know, that was a big, big thing. I mean, Gareth Edwards played for Wales for something like 9, 10 years without missing a game and ended up with 53 caps, you know. It just shows how the game has changed in terms of the amount of international rugby played. But still, to reach 148, especially playing in a battering position like Alan Wynne. Does where so much of his uh, game is about his physical commitment and his endeavour, 148. That's just it's, it's it's faintly absurd, isn't it? You know, got <laughs> that many caps really, um, obviously combined for Wales and the Lions, and yeah, he's just been a fantastic servant of Welsh rugby, fantastic servant of the Ospreys and of his country, the heartbeat and the talisman of the side for so long, fantastic leader. And, but what struck me was what Wimperberg said today was he's still the man setting the standards in training. You know, he, he's still the one who, when there's a line out form the other side of the field, he has to be the first man there. He's just got that competitive edge. Mark knows him better than most. I mean, covered the Ospreys for so many years. And he's just a warrior and a total professional, Mark, isn't
2: he? He is. And I I, I quite enjoyed his, his line when he made his 200th appearance for the Ospreys. Uh, there were a lot of people sort of patting him on the back and, and paying him plaudits again. And he said, well, hold it. Jeff Hassler is, is making his 50th appearance today, uh, tomorrow as well. We we can't forget about him. And it kind of summed up Alan Wynn. Uh, he's a player, really, uh, who will do his reflecting um, when he's uh, retired as a player. And he'll think there's plenty of time for that. Yeah, over the years, look, I mean, over the years, he's um, he's uh, he's proved himself on the pitch. (coughs) Excuse me, and he's uh, he's particularly feisty, combative, and likable in a way uh, at times off the pitch as well. And uh, I don't think there have been many, if any, players like him uh, in the history of Welsh rugby. Just his presence and his ability on the pitch. And uh, the way he, he sort of takes command of situations on and off the field. Uh, I was reading uh, a piece the other day and uh, the, so that certain players were talking about uh, uh, what it was like in the dressing room before the 2019 match against Ireland. And I think it was Rob Evans who said, you know, Ali said, you know, we've got to do this for our families mothers and fathers, I haven't actually, my father's not here today, and all the players knew that, um, you know, he'd lost his father, (coughs) excuse me, about a year earlier, and uh, Rob Evans made the point, you know, we just wanted to to run through a brick wall and, and do anything for him. He's a guy who influences other players, and that's one of his, his his strongest traits, really. Other players respond and play better when he, he's in the side. So, yeah, you know, he, he's in the side. He's going to go through. He's going to push through to the Lions series. And my guess is that Wayne will say to him then, you know, do you fancy, do you think you'll be able to push through to the next World Cup? Victor Matfield did it uh, in 2015. He played for South Africa at 38. And uh, that'll be the challenge for Ali Wynn. But right now he's uh, he is still a man apart. Uh, on a, on still, a similar yeah.
1: theme, Mark. Um, just to jump in, sorry. So after the um, after the third place game in New, in Japan against New Zealand earlier this sorry at the end of last year, um, me and a couple of the journalists been following Wales around for the whole tournament. Obviously, seen a lot of Alan when he came up to us afterwards. Uh, after the final press conference, shook our hand, said thanks for thanks for covering us the last few weeks, and he said, "But do me a favour, make sure you don't try and retire me like the rest of this lot." And for that reason, I will not be writing off Alan Win Jones anytime soon. Like you said, it would seem far fetched for him to be targeting the next World Cup, but I'm not sure many people would have thought he would have gone on this long. So, you know, I don't think he's someone you can ever write off properly. Simon, is he?
0: No, he also gives fantastic telling offs, tellings off to journalists as well. I've had, a, <laughs> I've had a one or two of them over the years. I particularly remember one where I was at this touchline in the middle. I can't even remember what I'd written, in it was something or other. And he just came over, and he wagged his finger at me, and he said, "You're better than that," and just walked away. <laughs> I, I, I just take like, it. What no? So, uh, but no, over the years, I mean, I, I've got, I've got to really like him, you know, and. Um, I think he's got quite a dry sense of humour and um, I'll just say this, when I was a bit unwell over the last couple of years, um, he made an effort to get in touch with me a couple of times. Uh, Didn't have to do that, just asking how I was and um, that that means a lot, you know, when someone does that. I just think he's a genuine bloke who gives his heart and soul to Welsh rugby and a great family man and, um, yeah, you, you can't really... When you're thinking about the greatest Welsh players of all time, Mark... There ain't going to be many ahead of him, are there?
2: No, there's not. You know, I, yeah, I was just thinking that as you, as you were talking. Um, it's so difficult to gauge, really, and put it into some kind of context because uh, people can look back and, and they they can sort of uh, have a look at the careers, completed careers of the likes of Gareth Edwards and Barry John and what they offered and um, Phil Bennett and, and Gerald Davis, indeed, you know. Um and you can look at the completed careers I think you know Ali winsby going 14 years he is going to figure in in some kind of I I would suggest I don't know top 5 possibly wales players of all time um maybe he's the best wales forward that um that I've ever seen for he's sure best um, I've ever seen trying, yeah. That, yeah, you know yeah. said, Davis I Davis mean that- and Graham price
0: yeah and then as a second row, you know, the, I always thought Robert Norster would take some bits yeah. in. And Robert was oh. a fantastic player in his era. But I think Alan Wynne-Jones is in the top three Welsh players of all time. And then you get into a debate about um, Gareth Edwards, Barry John, Cliff Morgan. People tell me that was one of the most wonderful players I've ever seen. Difficult with the eras. But I'll tell you what, he's one of the absolute great. I'll tell you the other, thing that's, interesting, the other thing that's interesting me, Mark, in this and, and that as well, when we're talking about the second row, um is is the um is who was partnering not really um starting but via the bench as well um are you surprised mark that there's no place for Jake ball in this 23.
2: well um well yes and no um uh, because in in the, in the side that i put together suggesting uh what it would be Jake ball was in there but when i look <laughs> back so so yes in that respect but when i <laughs> Back this morning, um, of course, Corey Hill was picked uh, to face Scotland uh, back in March. So maybe that was a pointer to to Wayne Pivak's thinking, and maybe you know they really, really value perhaps Corey Hill's leadership and the energy he brings. Blue's got a really good start to the season, and uh, Corey Hill has uh, has joined up, and I don't think it's any coincidence that this guy has joined up and. You know, I'm sure there are other reasons as well, but maybe that's quite a contributory factor to their good start. So, yeah, as I say, yes or no. Yes, I got it wrong. (laughs) No, uh, I should have seen it coming.
0: I I kind of thought that it was going to be Corey and Jake Ball, one on the bench, one starting. I suppose the interesting part part for me is Seb Davis. Now, I watched Seb the first two games for the Blues this season. There's, There's no doubt in that boy's ability, right, as a rugby player, Again, a kid I saw playing as a junior, played in the centre for Turk. You know, that should, tells you a lot about his ball-handling ability. If he can reach his potential, then in terms of a modern-day second role, you know, he was comfortable with ball in hand. We heard a lot about that, didn't we, in the latter years of Warren Gatlin's spell, how he wanted to get his front five forwards more comfortable with ball in hand. Well, this kid is that, you know, he's an athlete, Great ball handling skills, real engine on him and has started the season in a, in a physically abrasive way, I think, which is the thing people have been looking for. So I guess I guess what it, when we come round to all of this, when you've got the fact that Jake Paul's not involved and Will Rowlands is playing in the Premiership final this weekend, you know, second row is looking very healthy, isn't it?
2: It is. I mean, Will Rowlands, uh, on the evidence of his recent displays with wasps, you know, he's going to be pushing really, really hard, uh, to be a frontline starter alongside Ali Wynn. So it's a, it's a big opportunity for Corey Hill, really, this week to sort of put down a marker and say, look, this is my jersey and, uh, you're going to have to play out your skin, whether in training, uh, or off the bench to get it back of me. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it's um yeah, Jake Ball wouldn't give up on Jake Ball either cuz he is uh you know, he, he was really physical and, and good and quite impressive during the World Cup. Yeah, well I think that's the thing isn't it? He offers something slightly
0: different perhaps to the other second rows in the camp. He's a real hard yards head down Backside up carrier, isn't he? You know, an abrasive elbows. It kind of, you you wouldn't. He hurts people, doesn't he? When he carries the ball in. I think Corey Hill is and and Seb Davis a second rower. you know very comfortable with the ball in hand. But I think the point you touched on, Mark, is right. You know, you can see since Corey's gone to the Blues, his leadership coming to the fore, and really sort of the way he's been talking to the Blues players, because both those games were, were situations where maybe a year or so the Blues could have lost them, and I think Corey's been a real sort of magnet for the way in which they've developed this, um, this spirit within the squad over the start of the season and he's very valued within the world squad but I guess I go back to what I said you know it's such a healthy position to oh. be in this competition isn't it
1: absolutely I've got to uh, move us on slightly because we are running out of time uh, just one final point from both of you uh, if I can quickly what, what is exciting you most about the the campaign ahead Mark if I come to you first
2: yeah, look uh, I mean I, I'm guessing that uh, quite look forward to seeing Reese Webb back on the international stage as a starter and uh, I'm really uh, looking forward to pivac uh, progress in the development of of a number of youngsters as well which we've already touched on um I just seeing basically how they fare Zahmet is 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 a player everybody wants to see. He's sort of been running like the wind, you know, for club rugby, scoring tries. It's a huge, huge step up to international rugby. And uh, I'll be fascinated to see how he goes. Also, as we touched on at the outset of the show, really, I also want to see whether or not uh, Rhys Carey can sort of uh, deliver a test level as a scrimmager. Um, Wales really need a loose head who could do that because, you know, I, I mean, I like Nicky Smith. I think he's a really good player. I think Nicky, I think a test level, needs to define him performance uh, as a scrimmager. I think he's he's got so much to offer. Um, Wyn George, seemed to be developing really, really nicely during the World Cup. Um, but Pivak has obviously made the call, look, I've, I've got to start developing these young players. And so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to that. and uh, And indeed... Without, one, without taking up all uh, the options from Simon, I'm looking <laughs> forward to Callum Sheedy having a game as well. well. Is there anything left for me to talk about there? <laughs> talk about Callum
0: Sheedy. I'll tell you what I will talk about and what I'm looking forward to, and that's the new centre pairing of Jonathan Davis and Nick Tompkins. Um, it's something we've had to wait a while for. Uh, great to see Jonathan Davis back. Obviously, he hasn't played since the World Cup. Put his body on the line, put his knee on the line surgery had a, you know a struggle to come back you know you're never certain with an injury like that just look at Ellis Jenkins and Gareth Anskin to see how long they've been out you know knee injuries are problematic things but he's back a couple of games under his belt and now he partners Nick Tompkins now the Tompkins was a breath of fresh air in, in the Six Nations There's a long time since I've seen anybody make an impact like that in the championship for Wales and it's a long time since I've seen such a creative centre playing for Wales um with him, you have seen there have been a, still a couple of issues defensively uh, against Bristol in the Challenge Cup match at the, at the semi-final. There was, uh, you know, there was, there was a, a, a tough old game in the quarter-final there where up against Redrada, He's not the only one to struggle against him, mind you. Um, and I suppose when you look at Tompkins... Um, if there are any defensive issues, then I think there's no one better to have alongside you to marshal that situation than Jonathan Davis, who is the master of that 13-channel defensively. And I think Tompkins is better at 12 and 13, personally. It opens up the creativity for him. And I think there's a nice balance there with the pragmatic control, you know, fighting spirit, and tactical control of, of Bigger at 10 the defensive control and hard line running of Jonathan Davis to 13, and then the creativity, speed, ball handling of Tompkins at 12. If it comes off, it could be a really, really exciting midfield for Wales.
1: All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your thoughts this afternoon. Obviously, there's not a lot more to discuss. Uh, Wales take on France in Paris on Saturday evening. Before that, Alan jones will hold a press conference via video link from paris tomorrow afternoon you can catch all the build-up to the wales versus france match all the live updates throughout and the reaction right here on wales online